So, I already said, like, how'd your week go? You know, we made choices, we derailed things, things like that, and that uh, people brought challenging circumstances into our world. But in so in this passage, we're not quite sure what's going on, right? There's a debate with the lament that David's dealing with, and so some think that this might be that uh, is the time when King Saul was trying to kill him. You know, now that's a bad week. Like somebody's trying to kill you, right? That's a, that's a bad week. There's no getting around that. So David, who's the heir to the throne, and the anointing of the kingship is going to be passed down to David, you know, Saul isn't really down with his plan. So he pursues David all through the wilderness and into caves and open fields, and David's just running for his life, right? So bad week. Or it could have been later in his reign when he was sinning and disobeyed God, and with it brought a whole lot of consequences, and like the tentacles like of an octopus, you know, that sin has a, a tendency to spread every, into everything in your life, every aspect, and into the future. And so that's what happens here, right? Because David's choices in life led one of his young sons, handsome young sons, to overthrow him and sought to have David kicked out. So David had to run for fear of his life out of Jerusalem, you know? So that's another bad week. You know, David's having a lot of bad weeks here, and, uh, but we don't really know what's going on. So, but we know that things are pretty difficult, and this psalm gives us a glimpse into what is happening and like the emotions he's dealing with, which are pretty serious emotions. So, in verse one, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David is feeling abandoned, and he's walking through a valley, and he feels like God is nowhere near him right now. And now, I know none of us have ever felt this way before, right? It's like, that's never happened to us. But, I mean, we're going to do our best to see what God has to teach us here. So it's one thing when difficulty comes on in your life, and then it moves on, and it leaves, and we say, Phew, glad that's over. Thanks for getting rid of that one so quickly. But if you live any length of time, it's different when that difficult season becomes weeks, or months, or years sometimes, or maybe a lifetime for some people. When, and when you're physically and mentally exhausted and fatigued, and it's very hard to feel the presence of God in your life. You have this feeling of abandonment and your most challenging moment in need. And this is a double blow for David, right? He's feeling forsaken and abandoned, but also that God has taken his favor away from him. Now, favor, in our culture, we often define favor or blessings in these quantifiable ways from a materialistic culture, right? So things and possessions... Uh, and that shows that God is favoring us somehow rather than just like whatever. Who knows the reason why he might be showing us favor, but it isn't necessarily because he wants you to, you know, have a 60-inch HD TV or whatever, a fancy new car, Tesla. But in the Old Testament, favor meant the blessing of presence of God in your life, right? And what David wanted to know was like, hey, I'm not feeling that anymore. I have felt that, but right now I'm not feeling that. And I could always sense you and feel that you were in this thing with me together, and now you look away from me, and so this is this double blow. I feel isolated and abandoned, and you've also taken my bless- the blessing away from my life. And so I just made a little joke that nobody here has experienced a season of lament, but everybody in this room, or who's part of our family, on vacation today, couldn't make it, doing whatever, not feeling well, not here with us, is either coming out of a season of a lament or currently is in a season of lament, or you and I are about to enter into a season of lament, but we just don't know it yet. Like, these things are going to be unavoidable, right? So in verse 2, where David says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, and day after day have sorrow in my heart? 
right? There's David. He needs some answers, right? And David, and look at what David does, right? What does a committed follower of God do when things get difficult? Well, he's doing the equivalent of like going to Google and looking on Amazon for some health, self-help books or something, you know? Like, huh, what's out there that can help me through this mess? He's looking inward for answers. Like, how do I fix this? And we do that when things get difficult, right? Instead of first going to God, often we'll go to a friend or somebody we work with or a family member, counselor, maybe the pastor. And those are all great things, right? Those are good resources. But too often we go to God as the last resort. We're looking for answers from somebody else for what's going on in our lives rather than just going directly to God. And then maybe hearing from God that, hey, it's like, you know, go talk to a friend or family member. You know, maybe they have some insight into this. Um, and so, so making matters worse for him, he's trying to fix the lament tragedy in his own life by himself. And this is uh, uh, making David just really mourn and grieve and uh, feel abandoned and forsaken. And this is a trap we all fall into, right? It's like we think we can work hard enough to get out of this situation. I can be religious enough to get out of this situation. And you know, one of the great things Dennis preaches every week is about the gospel, and how the gospel changes us, and it's not the work we do that's going to change us, but it's Jesus that's going to change us in our lives. And sometimes we don't know why that's going to happen or what God's plan is with that, but if we're open to it, Jesus is going to work wonderful things in us, right? The Spirit's going to get in us and fix problems, and we don't have to work to fix those problems. We have to be open to having the problems fixed. And so a lot of times with prayer, you know... uh, when prayer we don't feel like is being answered, we feel like we haven't worked hard enough or done something for God to hear us. Um, you know, this is no blast on like a real charismatic church or something, right? But like when people are really sick and uh, they'll come and lay charismatic people lay hands on you and, and it's wonderful prayer, but it's almost this sense that you haven't been praying right or hard enough and we know a way to pray differently than you that's going to bring God in to heal. It's like that's just still about us doing something. It's not about God doing something. And so the beauty of lament is it's a season in our lives. It's not just this little problem, and we have to enter into it and just open our hearts and grieve openly with God and wrestle with it. And so we see David here wrestling with feeling abandoned and forsaken. Uh, He's struggling to get answers, but, you know, we have to give him credit. At least he's trying to get some answers, right? So in verse 3, where it says, he says, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And verse 4, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. He is praying, he's calling out, he's shouting, he's crying. It can be so tempting and challenging just to give up on prayer. You know it doesn't work. My words are falling on deaf ears. But David keeps calling out, and he's calling out. This is how bad I feel. Can't you see my emotions? This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm feeling right now. I need you to show up in my life, like right now, right? You know, like Psalm 9191. Sometimes they call it Psalm 911, right? Because it's like this shout-out to like, hey, this is an emergency. Get in here quick, God. But uh, So he's looking for God to show up in some big, powerful way. But when we're looking inward to fix things and we're looking to fix things on our own, uh, we're not looking to God, but we're letting cir- the circumstances of our lives determine how we're going to solve a problem, right? And when we're in one of those valleys, we allow the 
situation to push us away from God sometimes instead of leaning into God. And so when we build up these difficult circumstances in our lives, the trouble in our lives, like, I'm going to call it over-catastrophizing, right? Because, like, I'm a king of that. Like, I'm right up there with King David. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm royalty in this area in my life. I can, like, just think through a problem and every angle of it and just over-catastrophize it to the point where maybe this little thing isn't even a big thing at all, right? Like, I haven't slept well for two days. I'm not eating right. Somebody looks at me sideways. I'm like, what was that all about? You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to take that to my grave. I'm never going to let that go with that person. Like, who knows if they were even looking at you, you know? So, <laughs> but like, when things are really serious, we're really prone to this, you know? And we end up like separating ourselves. So we've, uh, like, maybe we're in a situation that's just not as bad as it thinks. And so you start thinking, so what's wrong with me? Why am I in this situation? And it's because we're looking at ourselves, right? We're separating ourselves from God. And, you know, that's what sin does to us, right? When we're walking through those uh, moments of despairs, depths of despair, moments of lament and desperation. I mean, it's legitimate to feel that way. But sometimes when we allow the circumstances to mount and we look inward and think, I can fix this brokenness in my life. You know, some of us start looking to the wrong places to fix things, like relationships, work, whatever, drinking, whatever you're doing, you know, falling into old traps, and we just, like, continue down that path, and we think we've been out of it, and, and we're just making matters worse in our lives, and, like, I've, uh, I've been party to that for sure, you know, just to be, like, pretty transparent about it, but our first response is to run away from God and not look to him, and ultimately that just builds up our circumstances to be insurmountable and overwhelming, when we might not be in that bad a situation, you know, so we find ourselves over-catastrophizing. So emotions, I just have a note here on emotions I want to talk about. You know, emotions are important, but believe me about this, emotions can and will lie to us at times, and just because you feel something does not make it true. I mean, that's gospel to me, you know, just because you're feeling it doesn't make it true. Your emotions can lie to you. You can feel like God has abandoned you or removed his blessing for you, has forgotten you, forgotten your family, forgotten what's going on in your life. And sure, you can feel that way. That's an honest thing to feel. To feel emotions, they're real. You certainly feel it. But it doesn't make it true that you feel it, right? We don't just trust our emotions. We don't trust our opinions. Anybody who knows me knows not to trust my opinions for sure. So... uh, (laughs) Um, and I'll share some opinions with you later, and, you know, like I'll say them, and I'm like, ah, I can't believe I said that, but whatever, you know. But we trust that it is in the gospel of Jesus that's found in this book that we're studying, this narrative. God's character and his nature never change, right? It's consistent today. It's consistent yesterday. It's consistent tomorrow. So we don't trust in the shifting sands of emotions. You know, those are totally unstable, unpredictable. So... You know how, like, you internalize things. Uh, you over-catastrophize them. Your emotions are telling you one thing. and But we can't really figure out what's going on. We can't properly assess our predicament without the reliance on God. And so this is what our friend David is working through here, right? The gospel is the best reminder that we have not been forgotten. No matter what is going on in your life, you have not been forsaken, you have not been forgotten. 
It would be inconceivable and really inconsistent with God's character that he would abandon us when we were in the valley, right? So when Jesus was on the cross, one of the last things he said before he was dying was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, like, this is what our sin has done to Jesus. It's, it leads to a lot of things, right? Jesus is perfect. He's never sinned as a man. But he's taken on all the sin of the world, the weight of it, past, present, and future. And he doesn't know what that is, right? He's feeling this incredible burden, and he's feeling forsaken and abandoned at that minute, right? And so sin in our lives uh, leads to separation from God, and it puts distance between us and God. And at that moment, Jesus is feeling some distance, But uh, God does not abandon him, right? But sin makes us feel guilty. It makes us not want to talk to God. You know when you're in a relationship with people or your friend and you've done something that's really wrong or you've said something bad or you've done something, you've sinned against your friend or girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your kids, somebody you work with, you feel guilty, you feel embarrassed, you kind of avoid that person. You know, you don't want to deal with it, so you just sort of run and hide from it. And so that's what we do, you know, with God a lot of times. We're running and hiding from God with what our problems are. So, and so, um, so, but God's not going to forsake us. And Jesus has taken on the burden of the sin for us. And so we can deal with it directly. So when we do sin, we know that... We don't have to be separate from God. We don't have to run away from God because of this sin. Because God's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us. Right? Because it wouldn't be when we're in a season of valley, uh, of lament, uh, for God to abandon us, to forsaken us. And so your emotions can and will lie to you at times. And that's why we need to trust in the truth of the gospel. So here we are. David's at a point where he needed the answer. He was a broken man. You know, and in our society, that's not a badge of honor at all in our society to be broken, right? So you've got to have put together, and uh, we prefer people that hide that kind of stuff from them. It doesn't matter if it's church or out in the world. You know, we keep a mask on that everything's okay. But, you know, God does his greatest work in broken situations. And so, you know, like these Psalm 13 situations in our lives. And it's in these moments of brokenness, Jesus shows up and can do amazing things. You know, so what David is looking for in, is this chapter is something amazing, right? What many of us are looking for in dark times is for God to do something amazing. You know, just the way I came to the Lord is an example of that. I mean, I've talked about it before. I couldn't have been more broken. I did not anticipate that the light of Jesus would come into my life, you know, uh, especially some of the choices I was making in my life. But... It was awesome, you know, and I mean, we're still broken, but, you know, God fixes us in a way that uh, some sort of light can shine through where those cracks are, you know, that he's fixed. It's not whole anymore, but there's cracks and, you know, it's like those jars in ancient time or vessels that put wax in them when they crack to keep them together and uh, before no light could come out of the jars, you know, and maybe a little bit of water a little leaks out. And so that's what he does in our lives when we've been broken, you know, he's like, there's cracks and through those cracks, the light of what he has done in us shines out onto other people, you know. And so it was great. Uh, we don't have them here with us anymore. But for that season of a year or two when the city team guys were here, right, and they're so broken and they uh, so open about where they are in their lives. And some of them just at this stage, at this season, aren't able to pull out of that brokenness and, you know, 
fallout and they're back in the streets, they're doing whatever, but some of them like had amazing stories of redemption, you know, and being fixed by God and being used in powerful ways. And so in in that environment, in the city team world, you know, where you have uh, uh, um, everybody's broken, the people who've been fixed, it's super powerful, right? Because these aren't bright, shiny cultural Christians who look like they have everything put together. How God going to show anything through that, really? You know, he just does it through the broken people. So you see this in the Bible all the time, right? So in the Old Testament, some of the great heroes of the faith, you have Abraham, uh, uh, we have King David here, you know, there's Esther, uh, there's Moses, right? Totally broken people, but God fixes them, and some amazing light shines through that. Uh, to change other people's lives. And so in the New Testament, you know, there's Mary, mother of Joseph. There's uh, her husband, I'm, I'm mother of Jesus. There's Joseph, her husband. There's Paul, right? Serious seasons of uh, lament. And, and I was just talking about here before, Jesus on the cross even, you know, is having this moment season of lament, right? But God through brokenness is coming through so powerfully, so that's just something to remember here. This is what David's looking for. This is what we're all looking for in our lives, right? See, dark, difficult. Uh, the despair has built up so much that uh, these heroes in the Bible aren't sure they're going to make out, make their way out of that problem, much less become who they become. So, uh, but it's interesting when these people are in the valley and they're lamenting and they're despairing. And when we find that they are broken and humbled, they're not leaning away from God. They're leaning into God. And so that's where they're getting, uh, they lament out. They lash out to them, right? And that's okay to do. It's like, why me? Why this now? I need to understand. But they are doing that. They're like this open canvas that God can then use as he uh, fixes them. You know, the, a lot of the gospel is going to shine through that. So we are struck down. But we're not destroyed, right? Because when we lament, uh, God is going to hear us. One thing about God's character, it's consistent, doesn't change, but it's not predictable, right? How God has helped you one time in your life isn't going to be how he's going to help you another time. And if you're expecting him to help you that way again, you're closing yourself off to the miraculousness of who God is and how he can work in your life. And so we need to be open to that. And what a lament does, and you know, how I even got into like this whole thing was I have a close friend. She passed away a few months ago with battle of cancer. I have another close friend, and she has a three-year-old daughter, and she's, you know, maybe in the last stages of a battle with cancer. And it's like, God, why? You know, these are such faithful servants of yours. And what is it you're doing here? And I don't know what God's doing with this, you know, for me yet. But uh, it's just powerful uh, to go through, you know. And it's despairing, and it's sad, and it hurts, and uh, made me deal with some grief in my life, I guess. This is what it's about. I never really put to rest the death of my mother. It was been almost 10 years ago now. She had a long illness, and uh, it took me a long time after her death to start grieving and then I keep putting it up on the shelf but you know this season has made me deal with it and there was a guy at my church back then older guy he like talked to me after my mother died and he's like I want to share this with you my mom died I didn't deal with it for a decade I just bottled it all up I had all sorts of problems I had a marriage fail 
you know. And ultimately, when my whole life fell apart down the road, uh, I had bottled up this grief about my mother dying and never faced what that meant in my life. And so, uh, so when he had a valley of lament, it was major. But uh, you know, we bottled these things up, and they take over our lives, and we're not able to let go, and they make us do things we don't want to do. And so, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's how God's working through this. I don't know how God, for me, but I don't know what God's doing with other people with that. But it's just so sad, and it's... Uh, but, you know, there's such powerful women of God, so and their faith is so strong all the way through that that in itself is the gospel shining through, right? So, and here we are with David, you know. If you follow Jesus or if you just follow him an hour on Sunday morning... What all these guys and women in the Bible that I've talked about had are a relationship with God, like they walked with God. You know, they had seasons where they're walking and talking and praying with God, you know. And so I think their songs probably have that in there, you know, that we sing. But uh, uh, but they understand how God works. And so they can go through these seasons of despair because they have developed a relationship with God. They've taken the time to understand how God works and that uh, he's consistent. Like, doesn't know how that's going to get solved, but it's going to get solved, this problem. There's going to be some sort of resolution. And so if we just come here on Sunday, and this is it, the hour we're in here, and that's all we do, and then we leave, we're not really working on that relationship with Jesus and allowing him to work in our lives in any kind of meaningful or powerful way. You know, he'll still work in our lives, but the thing is, when we hit these valleys... We're going to lean away from Jesus and not into him because we don't have that relationship, right? And so this is relevant because how do you get from verses 1 and 2, which are all about lament and abandonment and an isolation and lack of favor, to verses 5 and 6? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You know, that's actually pretty amazing, right? Uh, Well, you know, David had walked long enough. Like, how did David get there? I mean, we don't even read what's happening in this story, right? So it's actually a terrible story that way. It's the worst story. What's going on? It's like no bow has been put on at the end. Nothing's happened. She's like, it's like, what happened here? We don't know why he's like this. Nothing's really been resolved. And all of a sudden, David is rejoicing in God. Well, I mean, what's going on there is that David had walked with God long enough to know how he works and how he responds, and it's not going to be predictable, right? And so if he had God in his life in the past, God's going to be in his life in the future. And so those first two verses, he's just being open with his emotions and lamenting and mourning and grieving. He's like, why me, Lord? What is going on here? Why have you abandoned and forsaken me? But deep down, he knows God, and he has a relationship with him, and God's going to uh, work with them. And so lament gives us time to hear from God, to hear what he is saying, right? Uh, it's not a quick type of prayer. And we need time to mourn and grieve, really, for ourselves to give us the time and space necessary to hear how God wants to work in our lives through this. So um, Dennis has made all his sermons about the gospel and how Jesus changed our lives. And, you know, we're a small church. I feel like we're a good church, and, you know, we'd like to grow, and uh, many people have come here, and many people have left, but a lot of those people who have come here have spent a season or two or three and found God here, and 
then they've passed on to wherever they have to go. You know, they've moved. Life has taken them to a different stage. They've come here broken, and they've healed, and they've left. And so the beauty of this church and, you know, having Andrew and Steve and Dennis and everybody leads worship and all of you guys is everybody who comes through here and leaves, they take a piece of us with them, right? This church and how we worship, right? Because we're part of a bigger church. And so they're going to go off to the bigger church wherever that is, and they're going to share their experience here. And the brokenness that they had when they came here, they're leaving with some light shining through them, and they're going to be able to share that at another place. So I think about that sometimes, a little sad that we're not growing so fast as a church, but, you know, it's awesome to know that God's working through us in ways, and that's where God wants us to be right now. So uh, it can kind of seem like a season of where are we, but... I feel like we have God's favor in a lot of ways that way, you know. So that's really what I have to share today. And so I just encourage us that when we're in a deep, dark season of our life, that it's not an overnight fix. But it's God is going to work with us, you know, and that we just lean into God and not away from him. And we just need to be open to receiving the need to change. And we just need to let go of our self-perceptions of who we are and because uh, you know that happens a lot too, right? It's like, however we were raised, whatever we got this certain self-esteem, we become a child of God. God wants us to let go of that because we're all new. But you know, sometimes we fall back into how we think of ourselves. Uh, sometimes that's in a, a real humble way. Sometimes that's in a real cocky way. But we just need to let go of that old and embrace the new so we can allow God to really work in our lives. And when we have these heavy circumstances going on, uh, that we have a place that we can reach out to and uh, lament what's going on so it gives God time to work in our lives. So uh, let's pray. And Nathan and gang, come on up and... Father God, we just thank you for this time. Uh, Thank you for your word. We thank you for David and how he reached out to you. And he cried, Lord, and he just cried, and he howled, and he mourned, and what is going on with me? And Lord, maybe in this passage it wasn't anything of his doing. It was of other people's uh, choices, and it was affecting him and just blowing his life up, Lord. But Or maybe it was something he did. And it was his choices that was blowing his life up, Lord. But the fact of the matter is it was sin on some level that was causing this problem. And, Lord, ultimately, through lament and crying out to you and singing out to you, Lord, uh, he rejoices in you. And that's where we are, Lord. We rejoice in you. And we just thank you for being there for us, for always being there, for being consistent, Lord, and maybe not predictable how you're going to help us, but that we can count on you. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't forsaken us, that we can rely on you. And so, Lord, uh, we just pray for those who are in a season right now, Lord, that uh, that feels dark and, and overwhelming, and the circumstances seem like they can't be overcome, Lord. We pray that you send their spirit to them, Lord, that... Uh, You embrace them with love and encouragement that that even if the answer isn't today, Lord, for them, for their situation, Lord, that they they feel your presence and they know 
just to keep crying to you, Lord, to praying to you, to lamenting to you, and that you will lead them out of that wilderness, Lord, that darkness. And so we lift this time up to you, and we ask a blessing in your name. Amen.